Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. today. Good morning to everyone. Thank you for being here on another Sunday and another and at the same day, and of course, at the same hour. Uh, my name is Juan Manuel, for the ones who don't know me. I've been a member of Renaissance Church for the past three years. Yeah, if I'm not wrong, for the past three years. I'm very happy that today I was given the opportunity to stand in front of you and preach the Word of God uh, in, this, in this special month, such as December. Um, today we're continuing our series of Advent. Uh, Dylan started, then David followed, and this is the third week, so I'm going to continue it. But, hey, I'm very excited about Christmas, but before we begin, I would like to pray for all of us, and then we will dive in. Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that today we will be open to your word, that our hearts will lay down any, um, anything that will come across to, uh, to your word, and that we would uh, lay all of our burdens, that we will lay all of our concerns in front of the cross, and we will just receive it with humble hearts. We'll receive it to be able to be guided by you and to just uh, uh, be more like you at the end of the day. Lord, I pray that I would teach your word uh, right, that I would teach your church, and that I will uh, guide them as you have uh, guided me uh, these past weeks uh, for this sermon. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done. I thank you that you're present in this place, uh, and I thank you that you are gonna, you're going to speak through through me and that you are going to store it in them uh, so they can take it with them. Thank you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, today we'll be reading from Luke 2, 8 to 21. Uh, I'll be reading from the ESV uh, version. If you want to follow along, you can take, your, take out your Bibles and go to Luke 2, 8 to 21. But if you don't have a Bible, we have a connect table at the very back. So you can go there and grab a Bible. We ha- they are for free. We have in French. We have in English. I wish we had in Spanish, but that would probably be in 2023. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just an idea I'm putting up there. <laughs> but uh, if you don't want to use a physical Bible and you're more of like a tech guy, you can use your phone, or you can also follow along with the projector. There's going to be up there. So before I, can, before I start everything, uh, I just want to remind you, today, today is, well, this month is December. Uh, it's such a special day because Christmas is just around the corner. Decorations can be seen all over the place. We can see people already at the mall trying to buy their gifts for their loved ones and trying to buy their gifts for the, their kids. Um, we can see people trying to get ready for the, for the Christmas dinner. Right, Dylan? <laughs> Everyone is just on the move at this point of time. But um, if you think about it... Um, what is Christmas about? I want to ask you, what, for you, what is Christmas about? Is it about the Christmas presents? Is it about the decorations that we see all over? Is it about the Christmas movies? Is it about the, the Christmas dinner? Is it about the trips that we plan so we can escape, out of a, escape from this cold weather that some of us don't like? Is it about all of that? Or well, what is it about? Today we will see what Christmas is truly about and we'll unpack it together. Uh, we'll have three main points for the day. They'll be on the screen. The three points of the day will be, first, the light reaches the unexpected. 
Second one will be in darkness, a light is born. And the third one will be responses to the light. First one, the light reaches the unexpected. The second one, in darkness, light is born. And the third one, responses to the light. Let, let me read for all of us. Luke 2, 8 to 21. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. With the angels, when the angels went away from then into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they, for all they had heard and seen, as he had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the Christmas story begins by describing the scenario of this Christmas story. In verse says, we see, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the fox by night. Right away, we're introduced to the first characters of this Christmas story. We're introduced to these shepherds that are, who, are keeping, who are keeping their, their flocks safe at night. If you think about shepherds, could you tell me if glory is the first thing that comes to your mind? Anyone? No. I also thought about the same thing. And I did a little bit of research about the social status of shepherds in ancient Israel. And what I found was that shepherds weren't related whatsoever to glory. In fact, in ancient Israel, shepherds were considered unclean for the work that they did. They, in the community of God, they were not considered whatsoever clean or, or anything. They were in daily contact with dirt, but not only that, they were, in they were constantly around sheep that were not particularly good at smelling at all times. Plus, they were covered by their dirt and also by their blood for the scraps that these sheep will get from the field and other things. The environment where these shepherds usually worked were the open fields outside the big cities, which would not only imply that they were rarely have contact with people, but that they, that, they, that they would not have any time to attend religious affairs, like going to the synagogues or praying in synagogues, because at that time you had to go to the synagogues to, to pray to God, or to even offer sacrifices. They would not have this allowance from their people, and they wouldn't even have the time to go. So we can pretty much say that these shepherds were outcasts. They were rejected. They would not, they would not be let in into, into the synagogues. They were just people that were not welcome anywhere. However, in verse 9 and 10, this gives us more to think about about these shepherds. Verse 9 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they, and they were filled with great joy, fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. An angel of the Lord showed to them in the middle of the night. 
First, um, I have a photo of an angel. What do you make think what an angel is? So if we think about an angel, maybe some of us will think that an angel looks like this. The first thing that comes to mind will be two, two pair of wings, white robe, shiny light from the back, human looking, but of course different uh, in sort of way. But biblically speaking, they look totally different from this commercial version that we're often sold. In Revelations 4.8 and Isaiah 6.2, we have a description of what angels would look like. Let me read it for you. Revelations 4.8 says, The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and, who, who was and is and is to come. And in Isaiah 6.2, in Isaiah 6.2 says, Above him stood a seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. So, biblically speaking, and according to the word, angels will look something like this. Yeah. Nothing like the first pictures. So, you can pass to the other, to the other photo. Uh, oh, that's the other photo. There you go. Okay, angels will look like that. So now that we know that angels, oh, sorry. Now that we know that angels look like this, and we could pretty much that, this, that angels were considered as celestial beings, divine creatures, otherworldly beings, we can say that they are the contrary of what shepherds were described. Shepherds were considered the contrary of what these beings were, uh, would be described. The angelical being appeared to these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord showed unto them. So this divine creature show, appeared to an outcast, looking like that, we could pretty much say that this would be really rare. Shepherds would not have this encounter with divine creatures like this. And if you think about it, they must have been terrified. It's in, the, in, the, in the scripture says that they were filled with great fear. And of course they were. Creatures looking like that, well, not like that. Look, creatures looking like that appeared to them in the middle of the night. And then a, sudden, then a sudden light just shone onto them. And we're not talking about just a normal flashlight or a torch or the flashlight from your iPhone. We're talking about the glory of the Lord. So it must have been that bright for them and caught them off guard that they must have been just peeing in their pants. They were totally afraid. And I totally understand them. That the angel plus the light of the glory of the Lord must have just terrified them. Imagine yourselves being in a dark room for like an hour, um, no light whatsoever, and suddenly one person comes in and turns on the light and, cut, and cuts you off guard. Now you will, you will have a reaction to that. Now imagine that that light is multiplied by 10 or by 100. That's how bright it must have been. Now, I want you also to put yourself in the shoes of the shepherds. You have a reputation where you're considered unclean and not reliable. Um, you are rejected by your own people who do, not allow this, who do not allow you to go to synagogue. Or yourself not even have enough time to go to, to these places. All that, makes you all that will make you a completely outcast. But hear this. The Lord still desires to send a divine creature to bring you good news of great joy. Most of us will think that the Lord will choose 
someone that will go to the synagogue, someone holy, someone trustworthy, someone that will read the Bible or the Torah at that point, someone that will be very influ influential at that point of time. But we wouldn't think that he would send it to shepherds and not these shepherds that we don't even know their names in this story. But in God's kingdom, the lie reaches the unexpected. The lie reaches the shepherds, Moses, David, Daniel, you and me. When the lie reaches us, we ought to fear it because we are not worthy of it. We are not in conditions to be in a relationship with God for how unholy we are, for how we're like the shepherds. And the shepherds, of course, they knew this. They knew perfectly fine that they weren't in conditions to be in the presence of the Lord. And they were frightened. But then they and we hear that the angel of the Lord says to us, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Fear not. These, word, these, these two words, although they are short, they are so rich in mercy and love. These two words are so amazing that are repeatedly said in every part of the Bible. Since Genesis to Revelation. And allow me just to give you two examples. Genesis 15:1 says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and, and your reward will be great. And in Revelation 1:17 17 says, When I saw him, I fell to his feet as if, it, if, as if I were dead. But he laid, he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. As a side note, I want to tell you that in, Luke, in Genesis 15.1 and in Revelation 1.17, the don't be afraid or, don't, or fear not, it's always followed, whether it's at the beginning or it's at the end, by an assurance of why you shouldn't be afraid, why you shouldn't fear the Lord. We hear it in the first week of this series that Dylan preached about uh, Mary and how she was favored, how she was blessed, and how she was overshadowed or protected. In these two verses, we see the same thing, and we see it over and over and over. Abraham was protected, and he was overshadowed. Uh, Abraham was great rewarded. He was blessed, and he was also favored. And the same thing happened with John. After following Jesus, he was blessed with these uh, uh, revelations. And even though he was terrified, the Lord told him to not be because... He was the first and the last. He had already put his faith in him. So we can see that God's mercy and love was shown to these shepherds who were, not who were now introduced to the news that would change the world and his entire view of, how, of who is worthy of God's glory. Next thing that we see after the fear not is the word beholds. I personally didn't know much of what beholds was, but I, I searched it up. And beholds... It's a word that derives from the Greek word edo, which has the literary translation of be sure to see or don't miss this. And what do we have to be sure to see? We must make sure not to miss these good news that are, that are full of joy and that it will be for all people. And this brings us to our second main point of the day, which is in darkness the light is born. I would like to read Genesis 1, 2 to 3. And you will know why I want to read it for you in a couple of minutes. Genesis 1, 2 to 3 says, The earth was formless and empty, 
And darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Then he separates the light from the darkness. In the beginning, darkness was covered. Darkness would cover all the surface of the world, and the world was formless. But God the Spirit stood on the surface while he said, let there be light. Most of us know that this is the beginning of creation. This is the beginning of the world. When the light first encountered darkness and it, co and it covers it, and once again we will see that the light was going to encounter the deep darkness that was laid on this world. We will be the witness of a new creation again. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This new creation comes in the form of a baby, who will then be known as the light of the world by many around it. I would love to share how fascinating I found the equivalent, that the equivalent of giving birth in Spanish is dar a luz, which translates to gift light, basically. So the action of giving birth is the light entering this world, a new creation taking place. In this case, the light of new creation is Christ the Lord, the Savior that came from David's line, a, line that, a light that was the fulfillment of the, prophetic, of the prophecies of the Messiah King promised to Israel long ago. How David preached last time. He told, he told us about this, this Messianic King that will come in David's line. But then the angel also reveals the identity of this lie. The angel describes this lie as Christ the Lord. This is the first time that we see the titles of Jesus coming all together. We see Christ or Messiah, which is in Hebrew which means the anointing, the anointing of God, the one promised to Israel. We see Lord, which is used to refer to, to kings. In this case, the, kings, the, the king of kings who will rule over all the world. And we can see this in Isaiah 8, 6 to 7. For, and it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of, and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And last one, but very more importantly, Savior, who will take away the sins of the world. In 1 John 2, 2 says, he is the propitiation of our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. The angel did not just live there. He added to that that how the shepherds will know they have found this new light of creation. In verse 12, we see, and this will be a sign for you. You will find this baby in wrapping, wrapping in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. I would like to Today I'm asking a lot of questions, but I would like to ask the parents this time. Can your baby take care of themselves? <laughs> I was expecting that reaction. Thank you so much. No, they cannot take care of themselves. At least if they could take care of themselves, you could get more than four hours of sleep. Uh, so, yeah. And baby Jesus was not deception with this. Baby Jesus was also a baby. He needed, he needed to be taken care of. God decided to enter his creation as a humble and helpless baby in a humble family. 
But not only that, God decided to be born in a manger, which is the feeding place for, live, for livestock where no baby should be born into. Why would he choose to do it this way? Why would he choose to be uh, in a manger? Why would he choose to be born as a baby and not come in blasting fire? Well, because God, for God, humility comes first, then glory. As God, he could have entered, as I said, in his creation with blasting fire at the back, and, like in action movies, when the good guy ends or destroys the bad guy and he just turns around and walks slowly to the camera and there is fire at the back, all super cool. But no, for God, he wanted to show us that in his kingdom, these things, oper these things operate differently. And we can see that in Jesus' humble birth. And not only there, we can see it also when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Furthermore, we can see it in many verses of the Bible, as in Mark 10:31 or Luke 18:14. Mark 10:31 says, "But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then." And in Luke 18:14, which, by the way, is a very special verse for me, I practice it with my discipleship group, and I'll read it. I'll tell you. This sinner, not the Pharisees, return home justified before God. For those who excel themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. For God, humility will always come first, and glory will always come after. Well, this is the time where glory is coming. In verse 13 and 14, after the angel had described how, the, how, the, how Jesus will be born, how humbly his entrance will be, it says in verse 13 and 14 that suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So being born in a time where Israel was under, under the power of Roman rule, being born in a manger where no baby should be born into, being born surrounded with smelly animals, and be in, in a place where in a place where a manger is considered a cradle, is how, dark, is how in darkness a light is born to change the curse of how this world operates. Just to go back and do a recap. So divine creatures show up to the least expected people with a message containing the highest theology message about the light that would save us and reign us. The, la the least expected were afraid, but the divine creatures assured them not to be afraid because this was great news for all of the people. Immediately after, a heaven, uh, immediately after, a host of divine creatures appeared to, the, to, the, to praise the Lord and went away. So far, I don't know what about you, but I'm very shocked. And with all of this, this ha that happened, pretty sure the shepherds were perplexed. They would be asking themselves, what just happened? But regardless of how crazy this experience was for them, their response to all of this was incredible. Their response began a pattern that most of the people that has given their life to Christ have followed, either on purpose or naturally. And this will take us to our third point, responses to this life. Let me take a moment to just refresh our minds and read verse 15 to 20. When the angel went away from then into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph 
and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had, had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured it up, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as he had been told to them. So the responses of the shepherd could have been two. The first response could have been that they could, they could have thought that they would have gone crazy, that that was a dream or a hallucination for being so much uh, outside the big cities and no contact with people. They could have just thought that, and they could just leave it there and continue with their lives. But they decided to do the opposite, and they did, they believed the angel, and they went to search for this child to see if what the angel said was true. They went over to Bethlehem with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby laying in a manger. They, did, they went and they found them. To be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't fully understand what haste meant, but just to tell you what it means really quick, it means excessive speed or urgency of movement or action. It means basically hurry. I want to just do a parenthesis here. The fact that Luke used haste instead of hurry or fast tells us that he was intentionally with his worth. He was a physician. That's what we know about him. He was a physician, and he must have been very instructed in many topics. And, of course, one of them must have been literature. So we see that he intentionally puts Harry to describe how important this is. When the shepherds finally reached Bethlehem, they found Mary and Joseph baby, and the baby laying in a manger, exactly how the angel has said to them. Now, moving on to verse 17, the shepherds are faced with another way to respond. They had another choice to make. Either don't say anything and keep it all to themselves, or maybe or for the fear that everyone will think that they are crazy or, or lying. Remember what I told you about shepherds? Shepherds were unreliable. No one will hear them. They were not even accepted to be in a court of law to give their testimony. That's how they treat them. So they could have done that. They could have just kept it for themselves and not say anything because of this fear. Or tell them everything they saw. Well, in verse 17, we have the clear answer to this. When they saw them, they made known to them, made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Although they knew they had the reputation, they, they had the reputation of being unreliable, they took the chance and told them and told everyone everything that the angel had told them. They were not afraid to tell the truth about this child. Now the, the shepherds speak their responses. Now is the time for Mary, Joseph, and the other ones to pick their, to pick their choices. So... So we see that in verse 18, 
follows, And all heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen, as he had been told to them. We see that now Mary and the rest were faced with a choice to make. Everyone could have said, I don't believe you, and leave it there, and dismiss them. But they instead did the opposite. They all heard it and wondered at what they said. They wondered, they tried to, they wondered at all of this. They believed them. I, focus, I want us to focus on the word wonder. Wonder basically means just desire or be curious to know something. Wonder is also the feeling of excitement by, by something strange or a mixture of surprise, curiosity, or sometimes awe. So now we know that they were wondering to that, to that strange thing that happened to the shepherds. All of them were curious to this strange thing, and the shepherds, and they were excited at the same time. Now we see that Mary reacts in another way. Instead of, well, she must have wondered as well, but it's clear that in, in verse 18 it says that Mary decided to treasure up all these things in her heart and ponder about it. Think, close, think carefully before she makes a decision. She kept her close to her heart. When the message was delivered and received from for, for, for these people, um, verse 10 tells us the result of, of all of this. It tells us that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen, as he had, told, as he had been told. We see that the result of sharing this message to the shepherds was glorifying the Lord, returning to where they came from and just praising him for all they have heard and seen. And the responses to the people that received this message was to wonder about the message, keep it closer to their hearts, and think about it carefully. Now I ask you again, church, what is Christmas about? What is Christmas truly about? You are presented now with two choices after being exposed to the glory of the Lord and his message. A baby is going to be born soon. This baby is Christ the Lord, King of all and Savior that welcomes everyone who believes in him as the child of God, who was born into King David's family bloodline in a humble way, whose birth news was told and received by unexpected people, causing them to glorify and praise God. A baby who later on will be known as Jesus. And Jesus was to prove it was proven to be Christ the Lord after he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit to save us from the deep darkness the sins has left on this world. This is the good news for all people. This is the good news that now you are receiving again, or that you might have not been exposed yet. This is what Christmas is about. Now this message requires a response from all of us. How are we responding? This requires a response. Are we responding motionless 
to all of this? Or are we responding like the shepherds, Mary, and the rest of the, the people present at that, at that moment? I would encourage all of us to do like the characters of this Christmas story. I would encourage not to be afraid and go with haste to tell everyone about the message of the Lord that was made known to us. I would encourage us to be like Mary and keep this message close to our heart and ponder about it. Let, it, let ourselves be amazed with all of these things that we have heard and we have seen. Let us join the angelical and the shepherds, the angelical beings and the shepherds in this continued praise to the Lord for the gospel that we have received. To just get close to the end. For all the ones who have put their faith in Jesus, this is a reminder of the beginning of salvation. We should go to the word and share it. As, and as we do this, we should ponder it and save it in our hearts. For the rest that have not given this step yet, I want you to take away this from the sermon. I want you to take the fear not, for behold, the Lord has brought you great news that will be for everyone. Doesn't matter if you are, what, what background you have, it doesn't matter if you are qualified or unqualified, it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, tall, short, a Jewish or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you think that you're far from him or close to him. You are welcome to be part of this new creation that this baby brought with him. To wrap up, Christmas is a day to rejoice and remember the birth of Jesus. It is okay to think about the Christmas dinner. It is okay to think about the decorations, the presents you will give to your loved ones. Is it okay to think about the trip that will take you out of Canada or Quebec, if you will, uh, to escape from this cold weather? But I would, I would really appreciate if you would not replace this message with all of these less important things. Just to wrap up, for everyone who have any question, please do not leave without answers. Come and talk to me, Dylan, Graham, or anyone else in here. And don't feel that we will be offended by your questions, because we will not. We will be very, we will be very happy to answer them, and we'll be very happy just to tell you more about this good news. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll continue with the service. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that today you uh, show us that you came in a humble way to put our hearts in check, to give us a, be, uh, a little glimpse of how humility comes first before glory. I thank you that today you encountered us again with your shining glory. Thank you, glory, that you will guide us, that you would put our, that you would move the, our spirit inside us and that you will take us in, your, in our days to be like the shepherds, to be like Mary and everyone else in this story. Lord, I pray that we will go and tell the, and tell the word about this lie. I pray that we will treasure it in our heart very close to us. I pray that 
you will guide us as we do this and that we will not lean on our own understanding, but we will lean on this new creation that you have brought to us. Thank you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world. 